Welcome back to the Adam Schefter Podcast as we are now in the midst and throes of the preseason, heading into preseason week two. And if my voice sounds hoarse and I sound sick, it's because I am. We're coming off a trip in which we were in Los Angeles on Wednesday, red-eye to Cincinnati on Thursday to be with the Bengals and Packers, Friday, Detroit to see the University of Michigan, back home after midnight on Friday night. We'll get to all that at the end of this podcast. We were traveling with O's, the mentalist, performing for some teams, and O's was on fire. But on this week's show, we will be joined by the co-hosts of the Fantasy Focus podcast, my friends, my colleagues, Field Yates, Daniel Dopp. We have the ESPN Fantasy Football Marathon on Monday and Tuesday, wall-to-wall coverage. Sign up for your fantasy football leagues, fantasy football tips galore. And Field Yates and Daniel Dopp will be here to share more of that coming up in this very podcast. But we're going to start this week with a six-pack. A six-pack after preseason week one of six different observations that stood out most of all from this preseason weekend. There are many things that happen, and coaches will see things differently than I do, but here's six things that caught my attention, starting at number six, the Bengals quarterback, Joe Burrow. Did anybody see him in pregame warmups, stepping back and throwing passes? Did he not look perfectly normal and okay? And I know that you wouldn't necessarily see it with a calf strain as he's doing that, but I saw one throw, one highlight, and I said to myself, there's no way that man's missing opening day. No way. He will be out there. And so we can get these great updates from the Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor, as we did last week when he said he's still several weeks from the time I said he was several weeks, which was a complete non-update, and people got carried away that he suffered a setback. Joe Burrow did. No, he didn't. Zach Taylor was just saying, I said several weeks, and it's several weeks from when I said several weeks. But Joe Burrow, that one play, told me all I needed to know. By the way, we saw Joe Burrow on Thursday in Cincinnati. We'll touch on that after we hear from Field Yates and Daniel Dopp. The number five observation in the six-pack of the opening weekend of preseason games, DeMar Hamlin back. What an emotional story. What an inspirational story. It is awesome to see that guy back on the football field and not only back, but blitzing, throwing his body around, making plays. Tremendous to see. That was really the last hurdle to him getting back. And it looks like he is out there doing what he did. And everybody who's been around loves to see him doing those kinds of things. Number four observation from this weekend, Deuce Vaughn. We have the next Darren Sproles. That's what it looked like to me. The Cowboys rookie running back looked elusive, shifty, uncoverable in space, linebackers struggling to keep up with him. And it's like this great gimmick. Like people love seeing a guy who's my size out there making defenders look silly. Deuce Vaughn was unbelievable. And it looks like he can contribute this year for the Dallas Cowboys. Just fantastic to see Deuce Vaughn out there. My number three highlight, DJ Moore, the player that the Bears had to have in the trade to give up the number one overall pick, taking a short little pass from Justin Fields and turning it into a 60-plus yard touchdown. Now, last year, the Bears were the worst team in the league in yards after catch. 
And in the first preseason game they played this year, DJ Moore took a short pass and took it to the house. And Khalil Herbert took a short pass and took it to the house. And those guys looked electric and dynamic. And I know it's one game, but it just goes to show you what DJ Moore brings to the Chicago Bears attack, the big play ability. And supposedly he's been killing it all camp. He's looked like the star he was. And we had DJ Moore on this podcast. And the Panthers general manager, Scott Fitterer, when he was on this podcast, also said that that was the last piece to that trade that they had to include to make it happen. And we saw this weekend why that was the case. My number two highlight in the six-pack from the week one preseason games, Nathan Rourke, the Jaguars quarterback with the highlight of the preseason. Now, I don't care what other highlights we see. I can't imagine a player is going to make a better play than the one that the Jaguars backup quarterback made this weekend against the Dallas Cowboys. For those who didn't see it, I posted it on my Instagram feed. I posted it on Twitter. Basically ducked under a couple of Cowboys defenders, got up, eluded another one, and then as somebody was hanging on him through this unbelievable strike downfield, it was reminiscent of Eli Manning in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots, but he looked bigger, stronger, faster, more accurate. It was an incredible play by the Jaguars' backup quarterback, Nathan Rourke. And that got me thinking, like, who is Nathan Rourke? And so I did a little search and found out, oh, my God, I was reporting on Nathan Rourke during the offseason that there were more than a dozen NFL teams interested in his services. He started going around and visiting teams. He was the Canadian Football League MVP. He supposedly was making plays like this all season long in Canada. And now he picked Jacksonville, and he's going to go try to do his thing there. And I'm just telling you, I can't wait to see Nathan Rourke play the next two weeks in the preseason to see if he can continue doing that. And if you listen to the people in Canada, they think he can. They think Nathan Rourke, the Jaguars' backup quarterback, is the real deal. My number one observation in the six-pack from preseason week one is the Raiders quarterback, Aiden O'Connell. Now, I don't know if anybody got to watch the game on Sunday against the 49ers, but I've been hearing about Aiden O'Connell all summer long and how accurate and smart he is. And I got a chance to watch him against the 49ers on Sunday. And again, I want to preface this. It's one weekend, one preseason game. It doesn't mean all that much, but you can see certain things right away. And what I saw from Aiden O'Connell is that Aiden O'Connell looks like this year's version of Brock Purdy. That's what he looked like. And we all think at some point this year, there's a real chance that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to bang his shoulder, strain his hamstring, hurt his foot, something, right? That's been his history. We love Jimmy Garoppolo being on the field, love when he's out there healthy, but he has struggled to do that. And it looks like the Raiders have found their version of Brock Purdy, a rookie quarterback from Purdue, mid-round pick, who has the chance to play in this league for a long time. And... Over the weekend, I texted somebody, and I said, this guy looks like this year's Brock Purdy. And they said, nope, better. Now, we'll see. We'll see if that's true or not. But Aiden O'Connell gets the number one spot in this week's six-pack of preseason observations from week one. Aiden O'Connell looks like he's got a bright future in the National Football League. All right, let's move ahead to this week's podcast guests as we get ready for ESPN's Fantasy Football Marathon. There are a few people 
any kinder, nicer, smarter than my two guests today? Let's bring them on, the co-hosts of the Fantasy Focus Podcast, Field Yates and Daniel Dopp. All right, it is a huge fantasy football week at ESPN. Monday at 7 o'clock on ESPN, we have the Fantasy Football Now special on Tuesday night on ESPN. We've got the Fantasy Football Draft that we'll be participating in. Of course, there's always the Fantasy Focus podcast with Field Yates and Daniel Dopp. There are all sorts of fantasy entries and ways to acquire knowledge particularly during the Fantasy Football Marathon, but we're going to do our own little podcast marathon here with Field Yates and Daniel Dot himself. Gentlemen, another fantasy football season is upon us, and I love that. Nobody loves fantasy sports as much as you do, Shefty. No. That is the dirty little secret of this podcast. (laughs) People come here to find out, you know, uh, who the biggest free agent is going to sign with yep. or which wide receiver is going to demand a trade next or who's going to be the next head coach of what team doesn't have a head coach. What they don't realize is that nobody grinds harder on the fantasy beat than Adam Shafter does. And I'm not talking just football. I'm certainly talking basketball. I'm talking golf. You name it, Adam <laughs> Shafter <true>. has probably <laughs> made a fantasy squad for it. It is one of the great things about you, Shafter, that I don't think enough people are aware of. Well, and they're also not aware, Field, that I've won in basketball three of the f- past four championships, I believe, uh, right? You are dynastic. Yeah. You are the modern... Well, hold on, hold on. Let, let, let me lead to something. Three of the past four... Three of the past four fantasy basketball championships, I've won a golf pool. I've mm-hmm. had great golf results. We were in a golf pool, me and Kyle Sapi, last year mm-hmm. with all the Roto World experts... We finished second in our inaugural year. We sucked this year, but last year in our first year we were second. But I've never, never, ever won the ESPN War Room Fantasy Football title. 16-team league, brutal, very hard, no excuses. But I've been in the league since I got to ESPN, so we're talking about maybe 14, 15 years, and I've never won in football once. So I can control basketball. I can win in golf. But when it comes to football, which I do for a living, I suck. That's so good. Adam, I don't know. How is that even possible? How do you spend so much time on football? You're more dialed in than anybody that I know. Yeah. Is it the war room just that difficult because it's a deep league? A couple of things. I always like to tell people, the more you know, the less you know. Oh, yeah, okay. That's All often right. the case where I've had somebody say to me, hey, watch this guy have a huge game on Sunday. And he yeah. goes out and pulls his hamstring on the first play. Like, Mm -hmm. that has happened. Um, Mm -hmm. That's one thing. The other thing is, I've had a few, I mean, great football teams, and they've gotten to the playoffs and laid an egg. Like, it just didn't happen. Like, I had, I think one year in our league, maybe Field would know better than I, certainly Scott Clark, the commissioner of our league or the historian of our league would know. I had like a, I don't know, like a 12 and 3 record, maybe better points record, and then Stefania Bell beat me in the first round of the playoffs. The War Room League certainly lends itself to that, right? I mean, um, you know, uh, some might call a recent championship by Seth Markman, our boss, lucky. Others like you and I, Shaft, you recognize that fantasy football is a week-to-week league, and if you get hot at the right time, that is more valuable than having a great regular season team that flames out. It is, especially in a league that deep, where eight teams make the playoffs. 50% 50% chance to get in, and once you're once you're in, any crazy thing could happen. On our show just now, we were discussing the Chargers, and Justin Herbert 
is a wonderful football player. As of this recording, the highest paid player on a per-year basis in league history. Last year during the playoffs, in back-to-back games, he combined for a total of 14 fantasy points. Even though it was a bad year last year, nobody could have guessed an average of seven fantasy points per game during the most important weeks of the year for Justin Herbert. It is a fickle beast. There are times in which I wonder whether I am signing up for torture by being a fantasy football analyst. And there are guys that are going to win leagues now, league winners, who aren't even going to be drafted. That's going to happen, right? Like, I don't know who they are. but Yes, you do. Well, You're not going to tell us, but you know they are. Well, last year, the great one last year was, like, I I actually based part of my strategy around this. Like, I could bypass running backs early because yeah. the Rams love Kyron Williams, and he's going to be great, and he's going to be the lead back, and I didn't share it with anybody. Like, yeah. I just sat on that information, right? Yeah. And he goes out in the opening game, and I think on the opening kickoff against Buffalo, broke his leg. Or something like that. Missed eight high, games. High ankle sprain. Yep. High ankle sprain. Yep. And that was, there goes my Kyron Williams thing. So, again, there's an example, a perfect example, of the more you know, the less you know. Less I you know. knew That's- they loved Kyron Williams. I knew nobody knew about Kyron Williams. I yeah. knew I was taking Kyron Williams late, stashing him. And so much, even slotting like a running back slot for Kyron Williams. Like, I only have to get one running back. I don't have to worry about it. So I drafted DeAndre Swift early and had Kyron Williams late, and now you know why my team stunk last year. Yikes. We're just going to spend the rest of the podcast going through every team and asking just like random players. Like, is Jalen Hyatt your guy this year? Just random players and seeing if we can – even if you won't confirm it, if we can draw like a look from you, uh-huh. like all right, Shefty's eyebrows kind of you know, like they kinda it's telling us something. Bit. Yeah, yeah, like you know, we started talking about Kendra Miller for the Saints, and he is all of a sudden he like uh, his camera like accidentally went out. Like maybe that's what uh, maybe that's his guy this year. Well, let's start at the top, though. Let's have each of you identify somebody that you're targeting in your leagues. By the way, like I've done a number of best ball drafts for fun, yep. right? Just to kind of. Have a little exercise. Love best ball. Just want to see how that's went. I'm, I'm happy to share with you people that I have a high exposure to, if you yeah, will. Yep. yep. Daniel, Doc, yes. why don't you start and tell me a few guys that you think are poised to have big fantasy seasons. All right. Do you want to start at any specific position? How deep do you want to go? Because I'll start with Travis Kelsey. I think he's going to be really good this year. Patrick Mahomes, I think, is also going to have a good season. Yeah, yeah Jalen Hurts. Two for two, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, there's a couple of guys that I really like. I want to talk about the Detroit Lions running backs, obviously. I was going to ask you about that anyway, so go ahead. This is perfect, right? Last year, the Detroit Lions had two top 20 running backs in DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Wait, hold on a second. DeAndre Swift was a top 20 running back last year? On a, on a per-game basis. Yep. Well, let me say this. I happen to like him this year. I like him this year, but he was not good last year. Like, no. and, and, and by the way, it, it had to be impacted by the fact I think he came on late in the year, the final few weeks, and had a few big weeks after I already had been eliminated from the playoffs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. Swift, uh, since entering the league in 2020, he's top three in targets and receiving yards, top five in receptions. The dude is a literal PPR machine. The problem is he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. Right, Adam? So yep. when you have that, we're looking at now replacing him with Jameer Gibbs, this explosive 
Alabama running back that we're really excited to be able to see someone that's going to also take up that pass catching role and Jamal Williams leaving town and having David Montgomery come in. I love David Montgomery as a potential low end RB2 that you can grab for your fantasy team based on not only the pass catching usage, pass catching usage he will have because he's a much better pass catcher than Jamal Williams was. And he is going to have that goal line work that Jamal is vacating here in Detroit. So I expect this offense to continue to be an, another high-flying offense. Jameer Gibbs is going to be highly used as a rookie running back. David Montgomery is going to get a ton of goal line work. And I think you got two potential top 25 running backs in this Lions offense again. All right, so Shefty, Daniel mentioned, like, how deep do you want to go? Like, how, you know, and a part of the reality with, with fantasy is that you almost have to look at it, like, in buckets, right? Because if I told you my high-exposure player was Travis Kelsey or Patrick right. Mahomes, you'd say, like, wow, like, thank you for that revelatory information there. You're taking the best tight end in the league and the best quarterback in the league. So a couple of guys that are probably going to be drafted in the first, if I had to guess – four to five, maybe six rounds of your drafts, but not in the first two or three rounds of your draft that I love. At, at wide receiver, it's Chris Olave of the yep. Saints. And uh, the, much of the discussion this offseason has been around Garrett Wilson taking a big leap forward with a better quarterback in Aaron Rodgers than the, the Jets' uh, collection of quarterbacks last year. A lot of the same logic applies for Chris Olave uh, with me. Uh, he is like – I don't know that Madden rating is exactly the perfect way to measure how good a player is, but if I had to guess, him and Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, have a very similar Madden rating. Like, Chris Olave is awesome. The fans might know more about Garrett Wilson because he played for the Jets in one offensive rookie of the year last year. If you put Chris Olave in a Jets uniform, we'd be talking about him in the same way we are discussing Garrett Wilson right now. Derek Carr should be very good for Chris Olave's consistency this season. Both of those receivers, the two Ohio State first-rounders for last year, were very low amongst qualified wideouts in catch percentage, which is a metric that we look at. It's like catches divided by targets. It's much more reflective of the quarterback play than it is the player unless he's got butterfingers. Chris Olave does not have butterfingers. I think he has a remarkable season this year with the Saints. I think he's clearly the number one pass catcher in that offense. Derek Carr brings not just accuracy, but I think stability to that offense. He's one of my early round targets that I love. And I got to be honest with you, Miles Sanders is a player that I'm finding myself targeting quite a what? bit right now. Really? The Carolina Panthers. How, tell me about that. How come? We haven't talked about him a ton on our show yet. Oh, yeah. uh, we've only, we're only six shows in, yeah. so there are a lot of players that we need to cover a whole <laughs> lot more. Uh, but Miles Sanders uh, got the largest contract yeah. amongst running backs well, this offseason. If you look at guaranteed money, uh, that was a, t a player that was targeted very specifically by a team. Carolina went aggressive uh, to attack and sign Miles Sanders to a solid four-year deal worth up to $25 bucks. Their offensive line is scheduled to return all five starters from last season. And it was a good offensive line, by the way. It got better as the season wore on. Good offensive line, rookie quarterback. You know this is a team that's going to want to run the football a decent amount in a division where they don't need to score 30 points in a week to be competitive in the a NFC South, right? They can win games 21-17 or 25-20. Um, moreover, the coaching staff knows Miles Sanders extremely well. Deuce Staley, Frank Reich, two of the most influential offensive voices in Carolina, were both in Philadelphia with Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders, I think, is a better pass catcher than recent numbers would suggest. The Eagles were tied with the Bears, 
for the lowest percentage of their targets that went to running backs last year. Mm -hmm. And that's because Jalen Hurts is like, why throw it to Miles Sanders when I can just run it myself? You'll see this often. A lot of running quarterbacks replace running back targets with quarterback runs. I think Bryce Young is not nearly the athlete, breaking news there, uh, as Jalen Hurts. He won't be running nearly as much as Jalen Hurts does. Miles Sanders had 53 catches as a rookie. Wouldn't surprise me if he does it again. So the cost, not super prohibitive. A guy that I think is a more solid RB, like low-end RB2 option, than I think maybe the masses are giving him credit. By the way, back to your initial point on Chris Olave. If you wanted in fantasy to just draft Ohio State wide receivers, and I'm a Michigan man, but I can say this, I can admit yep. this, your fantasy football team would be loaded. Loaded. Absolutely loaded. But you could draft some really good Michigan players too, Sheffy. So we don't want you to feel like, uh, you know, the Wolverines. And by the way, early 2024 draft field is that this Michigan class, I know this is a podcast about fantasy football, but yeah. you know this, Sheffy. We're going to be talking about that Michigan draft class next year as potentially historic. So maybe in future years, it'll be just draft a bunch of Michigan guys because they are loaded this season. Well, let me tell you this. First of all, big J.J. McCarthy fan. He's terrific. And I think he's going to be better than people think, for the record. Yep. Be a first round and I know we're talking fancy, but one other draft note before we go back to fancy football on Michigan. Last year, the University of Georgia, which won two straight national championships, had 15 players drafted last April. Yep. I predict Michigan will have over 15, and as many as maybe 18 drafted this April. So totally agree. as yeah. good as Georgia was... Michigan has that much talent. It will be available to NFL teams, and we will be talking about some of those players on the podcast here when we preview fancy football in 2024, like Donovan Edwards and yep. Blake Corum and J.J. Yep. McCarthy and Zach Zinter, although we don't talk about offensive linemen for fancy purposes. We might, purposes. just to make you happy. Michigan man. We, 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 yeah. we, we, we might, we might. All right. Let's talk about some other guys' mid-level values. We, we've identified the Lions running backs. We've identified yep. Chris Olave. We've identified some of these other guys. Who stands out in the mid-rounds as somebody that you like? So we just talked about him on the show today. I really like Jerry Judy. If you look at the way that Jerry Judy finished out last year, Adam, like that's we're trying to find those trends, right? Last year, top 20 in receiving yards and receiving touchdowns, top 10 in points via the slot. And that was in a season in which Russell Wilson was basically as bad as he has been in his career. Yep. Only 16 passing touchdowns for Russ last year, the lowest of any year of his career. But in the final six full games for Jerry Judy, he had two games that he left early. Okay, so the final six full games for Judy, he averaged 19.8 fantasy points, Adam. He is the unquestioned wide receiver one. It is no longer, is it Cortland Sutton's team or Jerry Judy's team? Like, this is Jerry Judy's team. He is the wide receiver one that you want to target in this offense. Let me say one thing about the Broncos. You bring up Jerry Judy. I will say this. We talked about those best ball drafts. I do have a lot of exposure to a lot of Denver players because I think the Broncos are on sale. Because people remember how abysmal they were last year, and they're associating that. And so Jerry Judy next year probably will be a second-round draft pick, maybe third-round draft pick, depending on how this year goes. This year, you can get him, what, round four or five? His average, his ADP is what, about uh, 45, 50? overall, so the back end of the fifth round, yep. Okay, there you go. He's not, yeah. 
He will he I believe he'll be higher next year. Cortland Sutton, Greg Dulcich, uh Javante Williams. We, we there's some questions about his health. I got it. Samaje Piran, Russell Wilson, like all these guys. I have no issue with any of the Broncos. That's my point. Uh, Shefty, we talk about this often at ESPN. Star, superstar quarterbacks go earlier in terms of average draft position than we would normally suggest you take a quarterback. Patrick Mahomes is going 12th overall. I have him 27th in my overall rankings. It has nothing to do with Patrick Mahomes. He is a freaking, I mean, he is the face of the league, superstar. The only player that I think has a chance to one day, one day, and I'm talking 10 years down the line, be mentioned in the same breath as Tom Brady in terms of career accolades. But in fantasy, you can find great value at quarterbacks. And one of my favorite two targets in like the seventh round and on is Trevor Lawrence, going 65th overall right now. And I mean, he is, we saw the progress last year, Shefty. So think about the step he took from last, from his rookie season, obviously very, very poor circumstances around him. They got stability and they got talent last year. He was terrific, especially late in the year. That should be even better. We talk about this on our show a lot. Is that like at some point a player like just stops getting better because they've established a baseline mm-hmm. for them? Like, and some guys the baseline is really high. Like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, like they've established that like every year they are MVP caliber players, but they're not getting twenty five percent better year over year, right? Trevor Lawrence has not reached that juncture of his career. He can still get better. Plus, they added Calvin Ridley, who, candidly, I don't know exactly what role he plays. Um, I think he's going to be their number one wide receiver. But Agreed. even if he's not. No, he will be. I think he will be. Yeah. Even if he's not, then you're getting a true talent upgrade for an offense that was already exceptional. Trevor Lawrence, a very good runner as well. One of my favorite picks in that six, seven, eight round range. Great, great value. Great value. Underrated. And again, we're, we're talking about those other quarterbacks. You have to use a second round pick on Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, right? Uh, Justin uh, Justin Herbert, his ADP is probably around 50, 55. Herbert's my other one. Yep. J- J- Joe Burrow is probably in, what, in the 30s, I'm going to guess? 37. 37 yeah, for okay. Joe Burrow. And but so- just for, for people's like mindset here is like you could draft Saquon Barkley and Trevor Lawrence, or if you went with the early aggressive quarterback approach, you might land with Patrick Mahomes and Cam Akers. No, I'm not saying that Cam Akers is a bad player. I think he'll be better this year but like i think the upside weekly for saquon barkley and trevor lawrence and that's just one example of how you could approach it is greater than the upside weekly for patrick mahomes plus cam Akers. well that's because cam Akers has kyron williams behind him that's right (laughs) (laughs) there you go do not draft list right now (laughs) yeah that that's that's part of the reason there so those that's a little breakdown of the quarterbacks right there This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest 
with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. How do we size up the running backs this year? I, uh, as, as a whole, Shefty, I think the theme is that, like, on paper, maybe a little more depth than we've had in recent seasons. Now, there are some question marks, and that might be the best way to summarize things right now, Shefty, is that I would make a case that of the 10 running backs, make it 12, of the 12 running backs that are going highest in terms of ADP right now, average draft position, and all these guys are going in the first 36 picks in draft, five of them have a question mark surrounding them. Mm -hmm. Jonathan Taylor, we don't know how that saga is going to end. Josh Jacobs, we don't know how that saga is going to end. I continue to think he will show up for week one, but still, until he does show up. I agree. Who knows? Number three is Brees Hall, who the Jets continue to insist there's a chance he'll be ready for week one. I think he'll play on opening day. Yeah. Coming back from an ACL tear, how much does he play? Not a lot in opening week. They'll ramp him back. They'll ramp him up over time. But they also could sign Dalvin Cook, which as of this recording hasn't happened yet. And if they do that, Shefty, you don't sign Dalvin Cook to be a bit player. You sign him because you think he's going to play a legitimate role. Yep. Fourth running back I'll mention is Ramondre Stevenson, who's awesome. The Patriots have already flirted with Zeke Elliott. Mm -hmm. They've had Dalvin Cook on their radar. They've had Leonard Fournette on their radar. How much of a hit does he take if they sign one of those legitimate backup running backs? And the fifth I'll mention, and maybe this guy doesn't deserve to be in this category, but until Ezekiel Elliott signs with somebody, the possibility exists that he signs with the Dallas Cowboys. And if he goes back to Dallas, that does – it depresses the ceiling a little bit for Tony Pollard. So five of the top 12 running backs right now could see a material change in their outlook depending on what happens over the next month. Okay. Jonathan Taylor, yep. I've done about 10 best ball drafts. Yep. I don't think I've drafted him once. Wow. So really? far. Is that because of the way the draft has fallen or have you avoided well, it's, that? It's, it's a little bit of both, right? Like, I right now, like, I wouldn't pick him okay. with a high pick. That's me right now. Yep. That's me. Now, That's every yeah. in fantasy, every player gets to a certain value where you say he's worth it. There was a draft I was doing the other day where he like fell into the 40s. And I'm like, if he makes it to me here, I might roll the dice on him. Right? I might, but I'm not using pick 18 on Jonathan Taylor when there are other options. Josh Is that a part J- of Josh Jacobs? Zero Josh Jacobs exposure. Zero. Wow. Right, I know what our lead of our show is tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I have zero because uh, here's what worries me about it. It's not has nothing to do with Josh Jacobs' ability. Josh Jacobs is a great running back. Number one, look at the wear and tear of running backs coming off a year like he had. Number two, look at running backs in the situation that he's in. Number three, what happens in November if and when Josh Jacobs does come in, and I think he will come in, in November when his hamstring's nagging, when his shoulder's banged up, is he fighting through that? To get on the field when he is 
weeks away from becoming an unrestricted free agent if he's not mm. tagged again. Yeah. I, I just, I worry about people in his situation. That's me. Now, again, he gets to a certain value where you say, okay, that interests me. Brees Hall, I'd be in on. I have a little bit of Brees Hall. Uh, again, the questions are legitimate. The points are valid. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook worries me. As we yeah. record this on Tuesday, August 8th, and this is playing right before the Fantasy Football Marathon, the Jets have not signed Dalvin Cook. We don't know if they will sign Dalvin Cook, but there's a real chance he's going to wind up somewhere in the AFC East. And if it happens to be the Jets, that, that does impact Brees Hall's value. It just does. Yeah, it's he's and, and it, the three teams that he has been linked to, Dolphins, Patriots, Jets, two of them have a clear-cut starter who's got a real pathway to upside that Dalvin Cook landing in New England or New York would un- unquestionably impact. Ramondre Stevenson is a back I really like. I don't have much of him at all. Like, I just don't think of the Patriots' offense, and this is probably a mistake on my part. I'm thinking of them more like last year, not this year, with the new offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien. And I think they're on sale too, by the way. Like, I've got some Tyquan Thornton. I've got some Mike Kosicki. I've got some Mac Jones. I've got some of these guys sprinkled around. Juju Smith-Schuster. I got no problem. But where Ramondre Stevenson's going, I'm going to guess his ADP off the top of my head is about 30 right now? Yeah, right in the right range. Yeah. Okay. 37. 37. Okay, so I'm sorry. Oh, I take that back. I had him in. I'm sorry. I said he was top 12. He's number 15. That that feels low. Jeez. Number 15 running back? 15 amongst running backs. Okay. What about his overall average draft position compared 37.3. to? 37.3. 37. Okay. I thought about 30, right? Low 30s. So when I get to 37, me, I'd rather have Jerry Judy. I'd rather have Calvin Ridley. I'd rather have, we could go through this. There are a number of players right in that range. That just appeal to me more. That's me. Adam, does that mean that you are in on Calvin Ridley being the guy that he's talking about being in spite of not playing football for a year and a half? I'm a Calvin Ridley fan. I'm a Calvin Ridley believer. Yes. You too. Okay. Tony Pollard, I have exposure of. I have have some Tony Pollard. Like, I've I've got him. Of, Of all the running backs that we mentioned, one, two... Uh, Jonathan Taylor, Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall, Ramondre Stevenson, Tony Pollard. I have more Tony Pollard than any of those other running backs. So to me, there are fewer questions about Pollard than those other guys, but I understand the concerns that Zeke could be there. I still think Pollard's a good pick, but his ADP is around 1920, which is very high, and you got to pick a real high pick on him, and if Zeke does go there, it impacts him. I just think he's a very good player on a good offense, who's the number one back, even if Zeke goes back there, as we record this on Tuesday, August 8th. And I still think that Tony Pollard is in line for a strong role and will have a good year. Adam, who do you run in those best ball drafts as your RB2? Because you're talking about a lot of those high-end running backs. Are you waiting to the later rounds to grab like a hero RB build? You know, you, you know it's funny. I did, one, I did one best ball last night where, I, and I don't do this ever. Like I, if I've done 10 of them, this is the first time this happened. My first three picks were Austin Eckler at number 10, like he was oh, there. Oh, wow. Wow. And then I, it came back around at like 16, and Barkley was Saquon. I'm like, I haven't taken any of Saquon. I'll take Saquon here. And then when it rolled around at 33, I was going to take Calvin Ridley at 33, and right before me he went, and I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I went Jameer Gibbs. 
So it went, it went Eckler Barkley. I'm like, oh, this is, I mean, it's just different, (laughs) right? Like I, I, that is not the way that I would draft in my fancy football leagues, but that's the way it went in a random $3 best ball draft. Best ball draft. That's fair. I really like some of the RB2s I've been finding, especially in best ball falling to me, the Alexander Madison's, the David Montgomery's, the James Connors, guys that I think you can get a little bit more value, but will still be really involved in their team's offense a little bit later in that draft. I like David Montgomery. James Conner has been so good. Um, I might miss out there again. He's been a great player. Somebody you want. He's the leader of their locker room. Yep. As, as a player, man, you want him. I just don't want him on my fantasy team. That's He's all. not sexy. We've yeah. talked about yeah. this in the show. He's the least sexy RB2 of all time, Chef. Yeah. And part of fantasy football that is uh, overlooked is people get so fixated on rankings. Yep. Where do you have this guy ranked? And it's like, if I took... Jonathan Taylor with an early pick, I'm probably not coming back around with Brees Hall a round or two later. That's too much risk incurred, right? But if you got a great wide receiver in round one and you got Jonathan Taylor in round two, and then you're in round four and you're saying, I know James Conner is not going to be a super duper star, but he's been a top 12 running back three of the past five seasons. I'll go with the safety play there. There is an art to building a roster that I think is overlooked when you just talk about rankings. And I would say that one of the chief mistakes that I've made is avoiding players like James Conner who typically have been safe picks. So I'm usually swinging for the fences, and sometimes that works, and more often than not, admittedly, it has not worked. Well, it's a good, I mean, not to, I mean, I was just as optimistic as you were last year, but I think both you and I were bullish on Kyle Pitts last year thinking if ever there was a time for Travis Kelsey to cede the throne as the best receiving tight end in football, maybe it's when you've got this unicorn. Instead, it did not work out as planned. Well, if we go back and look at the War Room League last year, and I will say this, my heart races at every pick. You feel such pressure because there are 16 teams, and you know that when you make your pick, it's going to be 32 more picks before it comes back around to you, okay? And so last year, I was taking C.D. Lamb at number 12, I believe it was. I think I was yeah. 12. Yep. And, liter- and and C.D. Lamb's ADP was like 16. Yeah. 16, 17, 18. I was all in on C.D. Lamb last year. And, and then, one spot in front of me, yep. Chris Mortensen took C.D. Lamb, and I was, I was shocked. Like, wow. I was like... I cannot believe I didn't get C.D. Lamb at number that. 12. Mort Snipe. Yeah. And, and so I took DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Ooh. And then it came back around, and I'm trying to remember who it was in the second round that I was targeting, and the guy that I wanted went right in front of me, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take a swing on Kyle Pitts here. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you're starting your draft, DeAndre Swift and Kyle Pitts, last you year. have the kind of season that I had last year, <laughs> which was a terrible year. Right? Shefty, you and I played the worst game in War Room League history last year. There's that funny meme that always goes around when it's Frank Beamer, <laughs> the longtime Virginia Tech head coach, where they won a game like 3 nothing in overtime. It was like Wake Forest beat like – I'm sorry, Virginia Tech beat Wake Forest like 3 nothing. You and I had a matchup last year where I think Jawan Johnson scored a Monday night football touchdown in the fourth quarter. Mm. And I think I maybe beat you like – 
to 61.5. That is a gross In a game that, that, honestly, the league had a vote as to whether you and I both deserve to be relegated after that matchup. <laughs> yeah, I should have, my team should have been relegated last year. It was, it was the worst of the 14 years I had. I went away from my gut. I listened to the noise. Like, I watched the Lions on Hard Knocks talk about DeAndre Swift be a 2,000-yard guy, and I bought in. And Kyle Pitts, again, I thought was going to be a great player and still may be a great player. The problem was he had Marcus Mariota throwing him the football last year in a new – it just didn't work. It didn't work, right? And so everywhere that I thought I was going to come through, I thought, okay, well, Matt Ryan's favorite target is going to be Michael Pittman. I took Michael Pittman around. He was terrible. Like, I, Darnell Mooney, I got in round six or seven. He was terrible. Like, I, I was the jinx last year. Like, my team was dreadful. It was the worst team by far, everything that you thought couldn't happen did happen. And all I'm telling you is that sets up a great comeback story. Because I, there is no way yes. I could be as crappy as I was last. There's no way. Because the fantasy gods, they give and they take. And they're not going to mistreat you like that two years in a row. So I'm just telling I'm con- me and Deion Sanders, we're coming. We're coming. I'm just telling you, we're coming. Buying the Steph- Shefty stock right now. I'm buying it right now. I'm, I'm, I'm bouncing back this year. All right. Well, so we managed in the course of all those conversations to talk a little bit about some of the guys we like and some of the guys we would avoid. What about at the tight end position, which we have not mentioned really? Field, there's a couple of guys that we've talked about. Okay. You want to start? Yeah. Why not? Okay. I, if I'm going to pick a guy, Adam, in the drafts that I've been doing, I found my like line of delineation to be like that eight or ninth tight end. If I can leave with Pat Fryermuth, that's about the end of my starting tight end tier for me. Evan Ingram, Dallas Goddard, Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, there's all reasons why you want to target them. I have, in the mocks that I have done, though, really liked the teams that I have been able to do where I'm taking either Mark Andrews or TJ Hawkinson with a third or fourth round pick, Mm. getting the value that I can there at the tight end position, not waiting so deep at tight end, but not going first round with Travis Kelsey and doing the mock drafts. I've liked the roster construction that I've had. So I'm trying to find these guys in the middle rounds that I think have a little bit more upside than the later tight end ones, but not going quite all the way up to the Travis Kelsey using a first round draft capital on them. All right. So I'll kind of go by tiers here, Shefty. So if you're going to take one that's not Travis Kelsey, I love Darren Waller, top of the sixth round right now. Sounds like there's a real chance that he's the best non-Saquon Barkley playmaker on this Giants offense. Not that it's a massive bar to clear from last year, but at his very best, Adam, at his very best, you and I and everybody on this podcast or listening to this podcast knows that like from a physical trait standpoint, unbelievable. he was like Kyle Pitts before Kyle Pitts arrived. He is. He's Um, a freak in every way. There are several players in the category of rejuvenated this year because of a different setting um, or sometimes in the same setting. Um, Darren Waller, I think, was, how do I say this diplomatically, discontent last year with the Las Vegas Raiders? It just didn't work. Just didn't work. It was a, it was a marriage that seemed pretty quickly failed uh, before the, the honeymoon was even over. Waller's a guy I like right there. Um, I'll give you another one. This we talk about like not like exciting at all. If you're looking for volume, Tyler Higby will, will deliver for you. Yeah, the Rams maybe they are a house of cards, and maybe they're just one or two injuries away from all of a sudden Stetson Bennett throwing the ball to Hunter Long for all we know. But 
They played okay last year when Baker Mayfield was their starting quarterback, and they were down several key players, including Cooper Cup. Tyler Hippie is going to have plenty of volume because I think when they are healthy, it's Cooper Cup and then maybe Tyler Higby amongst the pass catchers in L.A. The last one here is going currently as tight end 25. And by all accounts, including that from uh, the great Mike Reese, excuse me, tight end 28, the great Mike Reese has pointed out that Hunter Henry has been one of the best players in the Patriots training yeah. camp, if not the best offensive player. Um, so uh, it's it's tight. you're getting for free. So if you decide to totally wait and punt on tight end till round 15, there's your option, Hunter Henry, who um, the Patriots don't have a superstar pass catcher. He might be the best pass catcher that they have, and that could lead to 70 catches. See, I think there are a few tight ends like that, like later on. Just later on. You're just sitting yeah. there waiting, right? Chico Conquo. I love that name. ADP of about 140. Good player. Yep. Okay. Uh, Trey McBride. Mike Mike Gusecki. Yep. Jelani Woods in Indianapolis. Jelani Woods is another one. Uh, Totally. Jake Ferguson in Dallas. Right? Like, there are some tight ends later that you could take and be okay with. Like I I think when you're taking the tight end late, you're chasing one of two things. How many guys have a chance to lead their team in targets in a given week? And then how many guys are the best red zone option to score touchdowns on their team? And that's what you have to ask yourself. If the answer is neither to if, if the answer is no to both of those questions, then you're trying to kind of avoid those guys uh, in fantasy. Well, Jake Ferguson for a moment in Dallas, who's taking Dalton Schultz's targets? Somebody's getting them. Yeah, they, they just activated off PUP, I believe it was what? couple of days ago that we see Luke Schoonmaker, mm-hmm. yep. Michigan man, yep. uh, activated from PUP, um, maybe maybe a week by the time this podcast runs. Um, but yes, it is it is a competition right now, if you will, in Dallas. And it does sound like Jake Ferguson has a legitimate chance to be the winner of that competition. And we also have a few rookie tight ends this year that it's interesting because rookie tight ends typically have not produced. Yeah, But I think Dalton Kincaid's going to have a great NFL career. Yeah. I think Sam Laporta in Detroit another rookie tight end, and Luke Musgrave in Green Bay, right? Like, now rookie tight ends have not been great, but there's three more tight ends you get later, and I don't know what we're going to get from any of these guys. I don't know if any of them are going to... I spoke to the Bills recently, and they're like, I said, boy, I'm, I'm hearing good things about Dal- Dalton Kincaid, and they said, yeah, he's a rookie, you know, because rookie tight ends typically have not produced. So we'll see, but I think there's some upside for those guys as the season develops, and we'll find out. Some of these coaches and, and front office people are so old school. They don't want to be, you know, they want to tamper expectations, tamp them down, I should say, excuse me, uh, because they just, you know, they don't want to create um, – They don't like fun, Feel Just say it. They don't like fun. No, they don't want the kid to feel pressure. If they're like, oh, Dalton Kincaid is the next Travis Kelsey, and then if he has, you know, 30 catches this year, it's like, wait, Travis Kelsey? That's like three games for Kelsey. And by the way, if Dalton Kincaid had 30 catches this year, it would be a solid season for a rookie tight end, Right. How many tight ends over the past decade have finished as a rookie top 10 in fantasy points and fantasy points per game shift? If you had to guess. Zero. One. Now, if you can guess that one, even better. Who would be the one? Evan Ingram for the Giants, believe it or not. Oh, wow. Yeah, so so, so that, that, right. that, 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 there's a, that bolsters my argument. Now, here's the flip side to that. We're in a day and age, the passing day and age, where these tight ends – are thrown to more than ever before, and I think they might have a chance to make a bigger impact as a rookie than tight ends of yesteryear. But listen, let's see. I, here's the deal. 
I think it's probably a mistake outside of our 16-team league where you might not have a choice to pin your hopes on a rookie tight end. But one of them or two of them or three of them might come through this year, and we'll see how that works out. Before I let you gentlemen go, before we get to the Fantasy Football Marathon on ESPN, Monday, August 14th, Tuesday, August 15th, the favorite sleeper category. A couple of names that are at the end of a draft, and we've touched on some of them already, right, that may jump out again and make an impact this year. The guys who will win championships in December who we're not talking about in August. Not talking about enough, at least. That's because right. as you know, Shefty, this board is so popular that football, like, I pretty much feel like I've heard something about every name yeah. on an NFL roster. Do you want to go first, Daniel, or no? No, you take it. I got, I got two. I got one I got. And again, remember, people, these are not names you haven't heard of. These are just names that are being undervalued, in my opinion. I'll start with Elijah Moore. Dang it, I should have gone Browns. first. <laughs> Cleveland Browns, who's been <laughs> terrific in training camp. Number two wide receiver in that offense who is going to be a vacuum for target shift. Yeah. Touchdown equity is going to be harder to come by. It just You don't see a lot of slot receivers with his stature that have 10 or 12 touchdowns in a season, but I think he's going to be a big-time playmaker for this offense. He was good as a rookie with the Jets, and then things, for a lot of different reasons, did not work out last year. I'm looking for him right now on ADP. I believe he's going outside. 155. Okay, he is going 155. Wow. So that is crazy. Crazy whoa, to me. He's whoa, 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 whoa. I don't think he's going that high in best ball drafts because I did, the most wide I did a best ball draft. The best ball draft that I mentioned last night, the aforementioned yep. one where I took Barkley and Eckler and Jameer Gibbs. On that lineup, that lineup, I wound up with Elijah Moore, yep. Donovan Peoples Jones, and Cedric Tillman. Wow. All right. You love their the rookie third round pick. And we talked about the Broncos being on sale. And we talked about the Patriots being on sale. Yep. I think the Browns are a little on sale right now. Okay. I think people are discounting them more than they should. Uh, last one for me. And this is my, and it sounds wild because he was a first round pick this year. One of my guys, Jordan Addison, Minnesota Vikings. Prime for that number two role in Minnesota. If things go out, things shake out correctly. Mm -hmm. And. A few years ago, and I'm not trying to compare them yet, but you got the same sort of profile, right? First round pick, talented guy, gets a chance to be the number two wide receiver in a Minnesota offense that's going to throw the ball a ton. The defense is just not, even with Brian Flores, I don't think it's good enough for them to be playing grinded out games. Jordan Addison, number two wide receiver in Minnesota, excellent route runner, good enough after the catch. Wouldn't surprise me if he has a terrific rookie season. What's his ADP, about 75 right now? 43rd amongst wide receivers, 121 overall. Right wow. Wow. Round for Jordan Addison. That's high. Okay, I agree with that. He's better than that, although when you drive 150 miles an hour or whatever it was. That, making is certainly questionable. That worries me a little bit. That yep, worries me does. a little bit. Yeah. And I remember speaking to somebody in Minnesota. It happened while I was at the owners' meetings in Minneapolis, and they're like, yeah, my first encounter with the guy wasn't exactly positive. I got a weird feel from the guy. So that, that just kind of stayed in my mind. Now, right, the guy's been an, an unbelievable player. Let's see what he does at the NFL level. But those things just kind of stay with me. Adam, I got three guys real quick. Sky Moore going in the 13th round. If I'm taking that, that, That's a steal. Wait, wait, 13th. Like, on these best ball drafts, he's, I've noticed he's crept into the top 100. Yeah, that's high for yeah. best ball, I think. I think. But I, I, I like Sky Moore. I, if I'm going to pick one wide receiver field, and I talked about it on, on Monday's, on today's show, we would rather have 
Sky Moore over Kadarius Tony in the injury history because you just can count on yeah. this guy will be playing week in and week out more often than Kadarius yeah. Tony. So I love Sky Moore. Okay. <laughs> like him there. Two other guys, real quick. I also really like Nico Collins. He is free, but he is going to be the wide receiver one in that Texans team. He costs you nothing. He is a guy that's going to get targets. He's someone that I think you would be able to use as a potential flex play. Oftentimes on these bad offenses, we don't want to take the top receiving option because their quarterback is bad. They're not going to score a ton of points. But when you think about your fantasy team at the end of this draft, I need someone for the flex for the bye weeks to just give me 10, 11 points during the, the throws of these bye weeks. I like Nico Collins okay. as an option to be able to do that late. Last name, not to be a Detroit homer. But Jamison Williams, if you wait six weeks, I can't. To be I able hate to get, that. I hate waiting six weeks. I hate it. Tying well, up a roster spot. You can't even put him in the O category in the ESPN league. That's you can? accurate. You can't. No, no, right? no. You can't. You're right. No. You're so right. he burns a roster spot. He burns a relatively early pick, and you don't even know how he's going to pan out later in the year, Daniel. Mm-hmm. I like him more as a. I like him as a the last guy. You like him as a Detroit that. guy, is what you like him as. I like him as a guy that was drafted in the first round as a top 12 pick as a wide receiver on an offense that's a top seven offense in the NFL with a guy that could potentially unlock him as a deep target for you. I think Jamison Williams is going to play that up and down role. He's not going to be the Amon Ross St. Brown. You know, He's going to be consistent in that same way, but he is going to have, I think, some weeks where he's going to put up some points. I hear you, though. We had the same conversation, and, and I brought this up. DeAndre Hopkins was a guy you had to wait on last that was, year. It was exactly that was exactly right. That was I didn't touch him last year. All right, so maybe you're not in on Jamison. Are you in on Amon Ra this year, Chef? Do you like Amon Ra St. Brown? That, yeah, of course you like Amon Amon Ra St. Brown. You. That, right, everybody right. likes Amon Ra St. Brown. How original is that? <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, if if you like Amon Ra. By the way, here here's also a trend you follow. I'm usually, if you look at my rosters in fantasy, yeah. and then take those guys the next year. They're usually <laughs> really? very good, okay? I'm a year early. So last year on my roster, I had Kyle Pitts. I had Sky Moore. Yeah, DeAndre, <laughs> okay. DeAndre Swift. DeAndre yep. Swift. I was a year early. That, that Williams. That, okay. that, 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 yeah, exactly. Just follow me. A year later, take yep. my roster. Dress, as much as my team sucked last year, it's bound to bounce back this year. Yeah. And the guys that I take one year usually thrive the next year. It's getting me excited for a War Room League lottery, Shefty, which I don't know when that's taking place, but I want to know my pick in a hurry. Breaking news. The lottery will be held on Monday night, August 21st, the night that we broadcast our preseason game. All right. And it'll be done, I would imagine, before the game in the green room. At some point in time, the lotter- the draft order will be determined, and I can't wait for that. Uh, I I don't think I've ever had... Well, very rarely have I had a high pick. I'm usually right around 12, 13, 14 in a 16-team league, which that's what it is. That's what it I'm is. I'm on a gnarly run right now. The last three years, I believe, it's 16, 15, and 13. Yeah, yeah you you and me. We're always drafting right near each other. So I never have high expectations. That's the problem with the 16-team league. You pick last. You want to go pick a player on waivers. You can never get the guy, right? It's just... You lose a player to injury in that league, good luck trying to replace him. It's brutal. So, again, these are the challenges of a 16-team league, and we are up for more torture this upcoming year. All right. Field Yates, Daniel Dopp, the host of Fantasy Focus, the podcast. Great job covering fantasy on a regular basis. 
We had the Fancy Football Marathon Monday at ESPN with a Fancy Football Now special Monday night, 7 p.m., and a Fancy Football Draft Tuesday night on ESPN. And gentlemen, I think we've covered the draft, and I think we've unlocked the secrets to fantasy success this upcoming season. Heck yeah. We are all going undefeated for the entire year. <laughs> Until week one. That's right. That's right. I didn't need that disclaimer in there. Thank you, man. And there they are, the co-hosts of the Fantasy Focus podcast, Field Yates and Daniel Dopp. And we will have more insights into the players you should be picking and avoiding in this very space in the weeks to come as everybody gets ready for their fantasy football drafts. That's to come. All right, last week, if you all remember last year, ESPN Sunday Countdown, Monday Night Countdown, we featured a man named O's the Mentalist. And last summer, he went around and he performed his tricks, his magic, his act for the Baltimore Ravens, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he goes into these buildings and he performs for about 45 minutes to an hour for the teams. ESPN tapes it and they play back the feature during the course of the season. Now, I've gotten to know O's and have great respect for his work, and he's a friend of mine. I helped coordinate his schedule this year, and the schedule was laid out for us to go last week to go to the New York Jets on Sunday night, Sunday night, August 6th. That was the first performance of the year. And NFL Films kind of took it over because they're producing Hard Knocks. So O's is going to be on Hard Knocks on Tuesday, August 15th. So the Hard Knocks that debuts this year, so the Hard Knocks that debuts this week on Tuesday the 15th will have O's and the performance that he gave at the Jets, but a longer, more comprehensive feature of his time with the Jets will run later this season on ESPN's Sunday NFL Countdown. That was last Sunday night, August 6th. And then on Wednesday morning, O's and I met at Kennedy Airport. We flew to L.A., drove to Oxnard with our great producer, Harry Hawkins, and spent the day with the Dallas Cowboys. Now, that was a great day. Had some great visits with some very cool people. Loved getting to talk to Brandon Cooks for a while. He's been in the league for a long time, been a podcast guest here. Always enjoyed talking to him. I met a coach who I'd never met in person, but my path has crossed with his for a number of times. Mike Solari, longtime assistant coach, a legend in this league. Great honor meeting him talking with John Fossil, the Cowboys special teams coach, just a bunch of people. And all I will say there is that not every Dallas Cowboy was sold on it, right? They were a little worried about O's because they had heard about what was going to be coming. Demarcus Lawrence supposedly wouldn't come into the team meeting room because he thought it was voodoo. But the show went on. We went from Oxnard Wednesday afternoon back to LIX, took a red eye, a very bumpy red eye, I might say, and as Steve Young likes to say, four-hour red eyes aren't really red eyes. They're pink eyes, and I think they're stink eyes. But we took a pink eye, stink eye from LAX to Cincinnati, landed at 5 in the morning, go to our hotel in downtown Cincinnati. Now, I've never had this happen before. We walk in at 5.30. We've been traveling through the night. And we walk in, and the guy says, very sorry, your rooms aren't ready. Wait, they're not ready at 5.30 in the morning? No, nope. we're doing an audit on our hotel rooms before. Now, I never heard that one before. So we had to wait 20 minutes in the downtown Marriott as they did an audit on the hotel rooms. I don't even know what that is. I don't know that he'd do that. But at 5.30 in the morning, we waited to get into our rooms so we could take a two-hour nap 
before we went over to the Bengals. Now, here is my observation on the Bengals. When we walked into that team meeting room to have O's perform for the Bengals, there was more energy in that room than any I've been in in a long time. That is an enthusiastic, energetic, confident bunch of players. That was an impressive team, the Cincinnati Bengals. That stayed with me. They just had this great vibe to them, and they loved it. And O's blew away Joe Burrow there. Oh, I can't wait for that one, too. And I think that may have been the best performance of all. It was just fantastic. And it's going to be a great feature on Sunday Countdown later this season. And then the Packers were in town because they were scrimmaging the Bengals. So we went over to the Packers team hotel later in the afternoon. And there I had the occasion of running into the Packers left tackle, David Bakhtiari, in the lobby. Now, about 10 years ago, David Bakhtiari and I and Corey Lindsley, a former Packers offensive lineman, we shot a Gillette razor blade commercial together in Green Bay. And that was that was a nice day that we spent together, me and a few Packers offensive linemen shooting a razor commercial. And David Bakhtiari is coming back this year, and that's going to be huge for the Packers. And his knee, which gave him problems in recent years, is feeling great. He's feeling great. He looks great. He got married. He's had a baby. He's got a new perspective. Enjoyed talking to him. That guy's going to be a real leader and asset for that team. And it was fun to see O's perform for the Green Bay Packers. Also blew them away. Went to bed late Thursday night. Woke up 6 a.m. flight to Detroit on Friday, where O's wrapped up his tour across America with the University of Michigan. Now, O's went to the University of Michigan. He requested that he perform for the University of Michigan. And so he made a couple of calls, scheduled it in for that day. And at 4 o'clock that day, he performed in the Michigan team meeting room, and it was incredible. Again, that'll be on college game day at some point this upcoming offseason. And so it was the Jets, Cowboys, Bengals, Packers, Michigan, five teams in less than a week. The only thing was I came home with a cough, cold, runny nose, sneezing all weekend long. So I get back, and now I'm on my way to Bristol to go attend the fancy football Focus Marathon, and it should be a great couple of days here at ESPN. We're looking forward to that memorable trip with O's last week. I can't wait for everybody to see all that he did last week. All right, we want to thank our guests this week, Field Yates, Daniel Dopp. I want to thank my producers, Christina Buswell, Sarah Abbott, and you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Please join us again in this spot next week. And we'll have more insight, interviews, and information. Until then, have a great week, everybody. Be well and stay safe. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA.